guys did a great job. Thank you very much. Let's pray. Father, speak to us, please. I, this is just a silly speech. If you don't take over. God, I need you. To, we need you to take over tonight. And I pray that the presentation tonight is not that of an ambitious pastor. But I pray the presentation tonight is a plea from our Savior who works beside us and who says, I want you to see what I want to do. I want, to sh- I want you to see what we can do. Help us, Lord, please, in Christ's name I pray. Amen. We've all heard of mountain-moving faith. When we talk about mountain-moving faith, we always focus on the quality of the faith. Let me say that again. Just think it through. We've talked about, we've heard about mountain-moving faith. Faith that can move mountains. And if we pursue the topic, we wind up talking about Quality of the faith. I want you to ask yourself this question. Who gives the faith? You understand that that's the way that miraculous faith works. God gives somebody the faith to believe that a great work can be done. So who gives the faith? God does. So if we have mountain move, if we are to have mountain moving faith, who's going to give it to us? God is. So what good does it do to dissect the quality of the faith if it's God that's giving us the faith? As if 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 we could just get the nuts and bolts in order for us to believe like that, and God says you you're, you're never gonna concoct that kind of faith I'm going to have to give it to you so does God give mountain moving faith when there's no mountain to move could could Moses have just walked through Egypt and anytime he wanted to turn water to blood Could Moses have just gone through Egypt and said, uh, let me me practice and raise the rod over a river and it opens and pulls the rod and it closes? Did Moses have faith to part Red Seas anytime he wanted to? I would say no because when it came time to part the Red Sea, God had to rebuke him a little bit. And say, would you just please keep marching forward and see what I do? So no, God does not give mountain-moving faith when there's no mountain to move. So, listen carefully, please, I beg you. Before God will give us mountain-moving faith, we need to realize that there's a mountain in front of us. So tonight, instead of talking about the faith, We're going to talk about the mountain. 
Listen carefully. It's going to go quickly here. I believe if we were convinced that we need a mountain moved, we'd pray like we've never prayed before. So the question is, how do you know that you need a mountain moved? Well, think about it. Think about the context of God's word, God's purpose, God's character, God's people. Think about those things and and the miracles of the Bible. Everybody that saw God do something great, they were going somewhere in obedience to the Lord's command. Go through your mental checklist. Abraham was going somewhere according to God's command. And he saw God give life to his not only barren, but past childbearing age wife. Joshua and the children of Israel were going somewhere when they saw God collapse the walls of Jericho. Moses and the children of Israel were going somewhere when God parted the Red Sea so they could go through. Think about that all through the Bible. Nobody just sat around and God showed up and said, today's a nice day for a miracle. Let me show you something cool that I can do. They were all going somewhere. They all had a God-given purpose that they were following, that they were obeying. And they all came to a, a crisis of we either have to disobey God or, or we don't go forward. We can't go anymore. So think about that when I answer this question. How do you know you need a mountain moved? First of all, you have somewhere on the other side of the mountain where God wants you to go. Secondly, the mountain is stopping you from going there. Third, you've tried everything to work around the mountain. We can go around, we can tunnel through, we can climb it and come down the other side. But now, in order for you to get where God wants you to go, Your only option is for God to move the mountain. I'll go through that again. I want you to get that. How do you know when you need a mountain moved? You have somewhere on the other side of the mountain where God wants you to go. You would stake your life on it. God wants you to go there. But the mountain's stopping you from going there. You've tried everything to work around the mountain. But now, in order for you to get where God wants you to go, your only option is for God to move the mountain. To believe that we don't need a mountain moved is to believe that we don't need to get where we say we believe God wants us to go. To say we don't need a mountain moved when you know what God has called you to do is on the other side of the mountain and there is, the mountain is blocking you, stopping you. You've tried everything in your power to get around over through that mountain. And you keep coming back to the low ground, the bottom land. That's the word I was looking for. 
and looking up at the mountain going, I know God wants me over there, but I'm never going to get over there. But to say, well, we, we don't need to see this mountain moved, is to say, God didn't really call us over there. The Israelites didn't need to cross the Red Sea. They just had to surrender to the Egyptians. Abraham didn't need to have a son if he was willing to give up on God's purpose. David didn't need to kill a giant. He just had to watch as his people became enslaved by the Philistines. Daniel didn't need to be saved from the lion's den. He said to quit praying. You see, each one of them had a mountain in front of them. But they knew in their soul, I am supposed to go to a spot on the other side of that mountain. And this mountain is not letting me do it. But I know God wants me over there. I know God wants to make a great nation out of me. I know God wants us to get to the promised land. I know God does not want us to be enslaved by the Philistines. I know God does not want me to surrender my prayer life. They knew they had a mountain in front of them. And they knew only God could move it. To say we have no mountain is to be content to give up on God's purpose. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're paying attention. There are so many miracles in progress in this room tonight. Some you may not even be aware of that I can't even really talk about. God is working in so many of your lives and people's lives. I don't have to go any further when I sit and ponder this and to just think about our teenagers. Every one of our teenagers. And now I'd rather die than to give up on their future. I would literally rather die than to wave the white flag and say, you're on your own. But there are others. This is spontaneous right here. Noah, you can say no to this if you like. But would you be comfortable taking about two minutes and sharing with everyone the burden that you shared with me in a text yesterday? Would you be comfortable doing that? Go ahead.
Abe. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. That's exactly what I was asking for. You realize there's a church in the Bronx that started with a car, and then two cars, and then two cars and a van, and a bus, and then a church. Don't worry, we're not going to hold you to, you're not going to have to start a church. <laughs> but what I'm pointing out to you is God's doing something. God's doing an awful lot in this. I could have Brother Zach tell you about the teens, the bus ministry. I could have Brother Freddie tell you about RU. You all saw what you saw today. There's so many. And, and then on top of that, just so many people, miracles right here in this room. Some are a little more private. Some are open for everybody to see. To say that we have no mountain is to be content. We say, well, pastor, okay, the, what is the mountain? What's stopping us? I wrote down four things. My desire is for you to be convinced that this is a mountain. I have to say, if you're not convinced that these are mountains, you're just not engaged enough. Because everyone who, who is engaged comes up against this mountain all the time it's not four mountains it's one mountain in four parts the mountain more space a downtown location now if we didn't have the Sunday dinner and if God was not clearly in that that would not be a 
that would not be part of the mountain. We don't have to be downtown. I'll take, I'll take this scenery here any day of the week over being downtown. But this morning, I just was so convinced that we need to stop relying on other people holding the keys. And, but that's a mountain. We need to stop relying on it, but how? More space, downtown location. Now, the third one, I'm just going to plead with you to take, me, take my word for it. This has got to happen, or I'm going to be in big trouble. And that is a church-owned parsonage. You say, what, Pastor, why is that a need? Because the school and property taxes on my house are killing me. They're killing me. And the moment we live in a house that is owned by the church, we pay none, none of those taxes. Now, we tried a couple of years ago to just switch it over. And I can still see the banker's eyes rolling. <laughs> I can't even, even, I can't get accountants, attorneys, I can't get them to understand how this can be done. And maybe it can't be done like that. So plan B is what we're doing now, which is trying to sell our house and purchase a parsonage in the, ch- in the church's name. So there's no switching over of, there's no reassigned, there's just a straight out sale and purchase. And then we don't pay property tax. I, I need you to understand so that when, when you, you know, when we crash and burn and you're standing there with your arms, hands on your hips saying, why didn't you tell us? I'm telling you now, school and property taxes are killing us. We don't know what we're going to do if we continue on the same. And we don't have to continue on this course. So whether you believe it or not, I'm telling you a church-owned parsonage is a... If having a pastor is a need, then having a church-owned parsonage is a need. And fourth part of this mountain is buses. Now again, you know, I would just go out and buy one. If that's what you think, why don't you just help me? <laughs> it's not as easy as that. If there's no calling on the other side of the mountain, none of these things matter. We just come together and be our happy selves, enjoy fellowship, have a big time, which is what most churches do, which is why they dwindle down to nothing or that they, or they change their methods where they're just trying to bring carnal Christians in to be a part of their party. That's what we have. And I'm not saying every church in Danbury is like this. But we are surrounded by an awful lot of churches that have that they don't go after anybody, so they die. And you can drive past their property and smell the death. Or you have churches that never make, never make an effort to win a soul. They never knock on a door. They never go out there and try to reach people. They do things to attract crowds 
of carnal Christians who are discontent with God and church anyway. And even though that's an ex- a successful crowd builder, it is not fulfilling, fulfilling the Great Commission. I probably shouldn't say this. You know how many funerals and counseling sessions I've done over the years from people who got saved in our church, got pulled in by an attraction church, but when they needed a pastor, they came back and called me. That has happened again and again. I'm not patting myself on the back. It's not. It's about the difference in philosophy. So if we're going to get to that place on the other side of the mountain that God has for us, we need God to do a mountain-moving miracle. Let me go through those steps again. We're, we're approaching the end very quickly. How do you know you need a mountain moved? You have somewhere on the other side of the mountain where God wants you to go. But the mountain's stopping you from going there. You tried everything to work around the mountain, but now in order for you to get where God wants you to go, without taking one step forward and three backward, again and again and again and again, your only option is for God to move the mountain. We need to see one great work of God that facilitates all of the needs that I just listed. So I came back this morning, and I had a lot of catching up to do because I had about an hour put into, into the morning that I wasn't expecting. So I, a couple things I had. So anyway, my, my Sunday school class is sitting up here, and it's getting later and later. And, and I had to change my clothes on top of all, everything else. And never did get breakfast, but anyway. Um, I was getting ready to put my shoes on. I sat down in my chair. And this thought came into my head. We need a mountain moved. And as soon as that phrase came into my head, I broke down and cried and cried and cried. You say, why? Well, part of it was relief. Why? Why relief? Because I'll be honest with you, for years I have disregarded that mountain moving concept because I never thought I needed a mountain moved. I never thought I needed a miracle from God so badly that I was ready to pour everything I am into trusting him and believing him to do a mountain-moving miracle. But when I came to the realization this morning, I'm there. We're there. We have got to see God move a mountain if we're going to get in our influence for God where he wants us to go. And I sat there and I just cried. Tonight, I'm not asking you, well, let let me, I really have to go here, I think. What grieved me so much when I I got back and I'm thinking these things through and where we are, where where we need to go. I thought about four churches, and by the way, I'm convinced there's many more, but I know these four. I know the I know the pastors of all four of these churches. 
They're good men. They're saved men. One, I have my doubts, but uh, three of them are saved men. They have church properties with anywhere from three to six times as much square footage as we have here. We have no place else to put the people. They have classrooms that have not been used in 10 years. And they're telling us what we can and cannot do with the work that God has called us to do. They're, they are the ones dictating to us what, what uh, hoops we have to jump through. Now, that's, that sounds like a pride thing. It's not a pride thing. It's a, God, you've got to move a mountain because this, this, can't, this can't go on. We could go to any one of those four properties and fill it up next Sunday. Put a class in every classroom and still not have enough. And there they are. Treating their, by the way, property purchased by the sacrifice of God's people for not just decades, but generations. And they treat those properties as if it's their little toy that they can do what they want with. Pastor, sound like you're getting mighty close to bashing those. I'm really not. It's a mindset that is maddening. And I've told the Lord again and again, we are not perfect. We are weak. We are foolish. But we are not of that mindset. When I think of what Pastor Dale endured to acquire this property, I don't think his family would be angry at me for saying uh, because I think it's accurate. Growing his church and getting into this building probably took his life. He poured everything he had. When I think of Carl Bradshaw that I mentioned a little while ago. When I think of the people who have sacrificed, and I wish, I wish I could just go through the tell tell you the story of of all four of these churches that I'm and I'm not trying to pick on them. I know there's all kinds of churches, but now here they are, with a dozen people on Sunday morning, and I say, Lord, you know how to put us in a position to go forward from here I'm not asking you to pray tonight as much as I'm asking you to believe that this is a mountain that we need God to move would you ask God to show you that we do indeed have a mountain because until you see that we have a mountain in front of us you won't pray you won't believe Where's prayer coming to this? Prayer was the last verse of what we read there. After Jesus had talked about the mountain, all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Prayer and faith are essential factors here. 
But until you honestly believe that our God-given task is being prevented by a mountain, you won't pray and you won't believe. So would you ask God to show you the mountain? God, show me the mountain. I don't really believe it's there. I believe we can keep skipping along, whistling, doing our thing. And we'll make slowly but surely kind of progress. Maybe, maybe we've got some young people in our church and maybe we've got some young people in college that are chomping at the bit to come back here. But from where they stand, they can see the mountain. If they saw that mountain move, they might be back here a whole lot quicker with a whole lot more zeal and ambition for the Lord. I watched today. It was so, it was so awesome. It was, it was a reminder to me when we went over to Rose Street. And I don't know if you realize this, but in the other, there were two rooms that we could have used. We wound up not using the second room, not because we didn't need the space, but there was no table and chairs over there. So people would have been standing anyway. So I, I said, and, and Amy helped me with this, this, I think it's better to have everybody scrunched together than to ask people to go over there and there's no place to sit. And it worked out all right. Um, but do you know what's going on in that other room for the first half of our dinner? There's a church that was started there. What's that word, uh, Brother Emil? Where's Brother Emil? Capilla. means Church. I always thought Iglesia was church. It is, but Capilla is too. I'm not going to try to spell it. I was going to try to spell it out, but anyway, Capilla. It says Capilla Danbury, which means their name is Danbury Church. So I went out and met the pastor. He was bringing in the sandwich sign, something that I did for 10 years. Bringing in the sandwich sign. And... I went out, shook his hand, met him. He's a good man. They had a guest missionary from the Gaza Strip there today. Who, Ted's got the book. In fact, the missionary signed a book for him. He's maybe going to share with us. We'll see. The missionary's partner has been severely persecuted for his, I'm physically persecuted for his faith. Hung upside down by his feet for how long? 45 days. Anyhow, they're the real deal over there. I mean, you, 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 you know how you meet a Christian? You go, okay, this guy's saved. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know. So I met the pastor. After they left, I went into that other room to look, and, oh, man, the work that is needed in that other room. And right away I realized, whether he realized it or not, him looking at us, it was me 20 years ago, wanting to get where we are today. We've seen God move some mountains. But this is the biggest one by far. I mean, me, me being a full-time pastor, us being in this building, the ministry, the bus ministry, these are mountains that God has moved over the years, on and on. So many different things God has done. The radio program, that is a miracle of God. So many miracles, so many things that God has done. 
But what I want you to believe tonight, I want you to add, first of all, I hope you see we have a mountain in front of us that God has to move or we, we're going nowhere in, in our influence. And secondly, if you can't see it and you refuse to see it, would you at least ask God to show you whether or not it's there? Because until you believe a mountain, that there's a mountain that needs to be moved, you're not going to have the faith to pray for God to move it. Father, I pray tonight that you'd help